Hi, Karen Swain here and welcome to this special audio podcast of the last Inner Sanctum webinar we put on in June with Robbie Holtz. I hold these webinars monthly, a couple of times a month actually. They're deliberate creation teachings. I invite each month a guest teacher to come on and share their wisdom with our little tribe in the Inner Sanctum. Their monthly subscription webinars, very inexpensive. Go to karenswain.com slash inner sanctum and you'll find out all about them. But I just loved this one with Robbie. Robbie's wisdom was so beautiful. I thought I'd do a little special treat just for our audio podcast listeners. I'd put up the whole Inner Sanctum for you to listen to. It's about an hour and a half long. We have a couple of people online. You'll hear all about it. It's a delicious conversation. You can find snippets of the Inner Sanctum on our YouTube channel. Just put in Karen Swain on YouTube and you'll see us there. I upload... About 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes half an hour of each session that we have with only with the guest teachers. So if you'd like to join us online each month, please do. It's specifically deliberate creation for the new L teachers. So it's for people out there wanting to make a difference in the world. So I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to June in a sanctum with Karen Swain and Robbie Holtz is my guest today. We have a couple of gals online, Yvonne and Gloria. And I don't exactly know what we're here to do today. I think we're just going to be guided. Robbie's very tapped in, tuned into her guides. You know, I love your story with Gary. Do you want to just speak just a little bit to people sure. about your story with Gary and, and what happened with him in, in Australia? Okay, that's a good place to start. My husband, Gary Holtz, was a physicist and an inventor, and he, uh, very scientific, you know, very left-brained. And he was diagnosed with MS uh, and actually was a quadriplegic, and he didn't have any feeling from the neck down. And he had, uh, actually, he had about six months left to live. Western medicine didn't have anything for him. So it was a serendipitous event that, put him in contact with a naturopathic physician from Australia. And he talked to her and she told him that the remote aboriginals in Australia in the outback have remarkable healing gifts and she felt they could help him. So he was quite desperate in a wheelchair with not much time to live. And he went into the outback. And actually when he contacted the aboriginal that she put him in touch with, his name was Ray and he had an apartment in Brisbane because he had children who lived in Brisbane. And so he would traverse both worlds, you know, being this, safeguarded in the outback and then also occasionally coming in to meet his children. So he had an apartment with a phone. So when Gary contacted him the next day, Ray, the Aboriginal healer said, well, what took you so long? We've been waiting for four months. We knew you were coming and we knew that you were supposed to give our healing secrets to you. So Gary went into the outback by himself as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Um, and 10 days later came out of that outback with feeling for the first time in seven years and also he clumsily walked down that airplane aisle and it changed him more than anything emotionally he realized that he had a really rough childhood and he had an alcoholic father who used to beat him and so he got really good with this brilliant mind of his at learning how to numb himself emotionally until he literally numbed himself physically so the aboriginal uh people the this small tribe gave gifted their healing secrets to him and said we want you to take it out into the world because 
we don't understand how healing works. And so Gary came back from the Outback, dramatically changed, got another degree in, it became a doctor of immunology and practiced what the Aboriginal uh, tribe had taught him. Uh, called psychoneuroimmunology here in the States, how to use the mind to stimulate the immune system and to affect your, your body. And it became a, an extraordinary healer. Uh, he, um, I mean, the first thing that I brought him when I met him was a dog who had a spine that was broken and they were going to put the dog down because there was nothing you can do for a broken spine. And he healed that dog in about three weeks for me. And, and that's the kind of powers that he kept developing. He'd started developing what a lot of the Aboriginal people that he had encountered had in the outback. He became telepathic to everything. He could see inside people's bodies. He could see tumors. He could see cancer. He said that he would work. He worked with it through an, an angel, uh, a solar angel, named Julie, and she worked through him. He was the eyes. He was the physical body. And so he said he could see her literally lasering tumors off. It was just phenomenal, this partnership that they had. So I would work with people. We worked together as a team, and I would work with people helping them understand the emotional components, how they had created this disease and how to turn it around. And then Gary helped with the physical healing. And then he passed... 10 years ago. And he knew he was going to leave about a year before he did. And he, they, he, he connected to his guides constantly. And they told him, you're leaving in a year. You can do more on the other side of the veil. And we were both really upset about that. But we decided if you can do more on the other side of the veil, then that's what needs to happen. So he died a year later, 10 years ago, and is assisting tremendously from the other side of the veil. I have this beautiful team of an arch- a number of archangels. Mother Mary, Divine Mother Mary, actually heads the team. And then Gary's part of the team and he's assisting. So they're helping, not just when I do consultations, they're helping people understand how to heal, but they're also involved today. They continue to help people in a number of different ways. It's like I'm the bridge that sort of allows them to step in and now and assist people. So as mother likes to say, she just wants to get her foot in the door. Once she has her foot in the door, she can help in a number of ways. But yeah, you got to have permission first. So can you see, Gloria, can you see the orbs behind uh, Robbie flying around up the top of the ceiling? Oh, yes, I can. (laughs) See, I can't see them like that. But it's interesting when I have photographs taken, then I see them. But I, I, I don't I don't have that gift, that ability. So that's cool. And I get that when I'm speaking. People will tell me all kinds of interesting things. They'll see Gary. They'll see the angels. They'll see golden auras around me because I'm allowing them to use me to speak. And if I forget something, it's always fascinating how somebody in the crowd will ask the question. Bless you. Somebody will bring up whatever piece of information that I forgot that's important. So they're just, I'm uh, the voice for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I know. Your work is amazing. And I've got a picture of Gary here, and I just feel his presence. Like, I can just... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Can you, can you see yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's right above my head, right there. That's his picture. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that one was... Uh, that picture, Karen, was taken at our home here. Uh, on the island that I live on yeah so that that feels closer to me yeah I didn't realize it had been 10 years I thought it had been a few years I didn't realize it was wow 10 years yeah yeah Yeah, 10 years since he left his physical body but half his luck I say (laughs) 
<laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting because he's just so involved. We are just so connected, but in a business way now. It had to shift because there were three in any relationship I was involved in after he passed. It's like this. So at one point I got, I had to get rid of the bedspread. And, and it's so interesting because I ended up dating like a couple of days after the bedspread went away. It's like, oh, okay, I, I guess there was a little bit of a, a connection that needed to be <laughs> cut a little bit more. So we're very, very connected, but now it's more business oriented, uh, working, working, being of service. Um, the romantic part had to fade back a bit. So, and that took years. That took years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was painful for many years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I talk about that in the second book, the uh, Awakening book, um, Aboriginal Secrets of Awakening, how he would come to me in many different ways. And it took me a while to be able to see him. I wasn't quite ready for that yet, you know, so it took a couple of years, but I'm, I'm comfortable. Every now and then he'll pop in and um, it might make me cry, but it's tears of joy. So, yeah. Oh, it's not easy being human. <laughs> it's not. It's a, quite the trip, isn't it? We're oh. so brave. Did you see that? Yeah. What? Oh, my God. Did that was probably that? Gary. Yeah. That was Gary. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. That was nice. Did you see that? No. What, did he, what was well, it? Well, uh, just to be, well, uh, as I'm focused on your face, I sort of see this movement above you, and by the time I've looked, I've missed it. But just this big, just a, I don't know what. What did it look like, Gloria? Like a big white orb? It it wasn't round, but it was like really, really bright, more bright than white. That was and scary. <laughs> it was above. It's above that door behind you. Oh, that's cool. No, the the, door, the other door on your your left. Okay. Behind yeah. you. Yeah, that's very cool. It's beautiful. On the side that his picture's on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's no lighting going on. So, yeah, that's very cool. Now, he was just saying hi. Yeah. He is, he is. You know, the thing, that, the thing that I remember from talking to you, when did we talk? About a year ago? Was it over I a year I think ago? so. I think so. Was that to, when you spoke about his angel lasering cancers, like that really stuck with me for, for some reason. Yeah. And when I, when I have pain in my body, I, I just talk to them and I say, come on, get your light in there and just get rid of it. And they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why can't I do that? <laughs> yeah. It was a really interesting um, relationship. And she was a solar angel because she had the ability to communicate to different solar systems, be the translator. And so that's why he was working with a solar angel, didn't know it, didn't realize it at the time. It was just fascinating. He was very quiet. Gary was really shy and very quiet. Brilliant man, but fascinating if you could get him to talk, you know. You had to ask the question before he would spill the beans, so to speak. But when I would ask the right question, and that's when I'd find out, oh, yeah, she just, I can see her lasering, you know, tumors off. Because I'd say, how do you know this man's tumors have shrunk or that he has three? or that he has five. And he's like, well, I can see them. And I can see her working through my eyes and doing the work that she was doing. It was just really interesting working with him because people would find us by word of mouth. We didn't, we never advertised. People would just find us because he got to the point where he was so good. He was dealing with stage four cancers and AIDS and things that there really weren't any answers for. We always were extremely busy. We just never could keep up with it. 
that's when we decided, let's shift things to the other end. Let's start teaching people how to prevent disease and also, if you have it, how to heal it so that we're not dealing with stage four cancers, which require a tremendous amount of work. We're helping people to prevent that or to learn how to heal themselves, mm-hmm. teach them how to fish, so to speak. So that's really what we shifted into. And that's what we've been doing ever since. I, they're, they're putting on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I saw that one. That was what, like yeah. a light. That was like a light. And then it had a, like a teardrop. It was bright yes. at the bottom. And it went like like that. Anyway, you'll see it when I I'm recording this. It's fantastic. Oh, that's funny. It's fantastic. But tell me about your work, Robbie. Now let's talk about your work and what you're doing. Okay. After Gary passed, he had a book that he had written about his experience in the outback called Secrets of Aboriginal Healing. And we had intended to get it out. We just were so busy we couldn't even imagine putting it together and getting it out there. So after he passed, just out of memory for him, I got it out there and I got it published. And I didn't really expect much to happen with it. But apparently that book has, now it's in 40 countries and it's won a number of awards and it's translated in other languages. I think recently it was uh, translated into Korean and Croatian and there's a lot of energy in that book. If you, if you guys could see the energy coming off the book, and it's the intention of the Aboriginals. Actually, in the book, Secrets of Aboriginal Healing, we talk about this healer who had passed that Gary was able to see when he was in the outback. That healer, we call him Old Healer, is actually behind that book and behind the energy in the book so that people just having it in their hands, it will help them heal. People see, I get emails from people and phone calls. They said that there was a receipt in the book and now the receipt has colors coming off of it or my hands when I gave it to my husband to hold for a minute. Now his hands have colors coming off them, rainbow or golden or whatever. So that book it gives us Aboriginal secrets of healing, which they wanted us to put out into the world because we needed it. And and it's clearly tapped into the truth and people can tell. And it, it feels like truth and that's why it's doing so well. So then I wrote, then they wanted to know, well, what happens when he comes from the outback? Because the secrets of Aboriginal healing is just about his outback experience. And to me, when he came back is when it got really fascinating. So I wrote the second book as a sequel, but we don't really describe it as a sequel. It's called Aboriginal Secrets of Awakening. And it describes his story and how he turned into this amazing healer and how he crossed over to the other side and how he still, still assists me. But it also talks about my journey, how I almost died twice. Um, when I delivered my son, I was given a blood transfusion that had hepatitis C in it, and the hepatitis C almost killed me, and then the experimental treatment almost killed me, and it left me with not just the hepatitis C, but now I've got temporary brain damage that's so severe, I can't finish a sentence because I can't remember what I'm talking about. I have fibromyalgia, I have chronic fatigue, and I have been in bed for nine months, and Western medicine, again, has nothing for me, so I had to learn how to heal that. This is before I met Gary, Mm. so I had to learn how to heal that And that's what put me on this path of passionately teaching other people how to heal. So when Gary passed, uh, I got the first book out and then I got the second book out, which tells my story and how we met and intertwined and worked together. And it describes a little bit about how I started to realize that I have guides that I'm working with, that are working with me, through me. And I started developing awareness of the team 
that Divine Mother Mary is the head of it and Archangel Raphael and Michael are part of it and that Gary's part of it and there's others that come and go. So when people come to me, I just do one hour consultations. That's all they need. I help them understand this is what has been creating the disease and this is how to heal it. And the team is here to assist you, but we want you to also have this information so that you're doing it together. You're not doing it alone. And they're helping me help them. And it's just so immensely rewarding to change people's lives. And whether they're coming because they want to heal physically or emotionally, or they want to know, am I on the right track with the right career or the right relationship and how to get help from the other side, how to start using your guides. And that's powerful. So I just finished a third book. And this is the girl who said, I can't write. Uh, don't make me do it. And then I just finished a third book that is about how to work with your angels and guides because everybody has at least one angel by their side 24-7. And you need to ask for help. As you know, you've got to ask before they'll intervene in just everyday stuff. And so it's huge. It's a big game changer. So that's another thing I do is to teach people how to start working with this tremendous help that they want to help and that they just, people just don't know how to take advantage of that. So it just makes a huge difference in life. It, it, it puts the mind in the position that it should be as a powerful tool rather than in charge. I mean, we could go on about that. When's the third book coming out? Probably about a year, a little bit over a year. It takes time when you, the publishing companies to get it out. Who's so. your publishing company? Inner Traditions, who are fabulous, fabulous. But we were talking about earlier today, they're on the cutting edge of, of just things that are just coming out now. They've been doing it for a long time, Inner Traditions, yeah. It's just been really interesting watching this whole process fall into place because I asked my guides years ago, I asked Mother Mary, I think it was Mother Mary, uh, what is my soul's highest vision? I'm always overzealous, you know, like, okay, what's my soul want me to do? And, and she said, write a, a couple of books. And I just freaked out because I've never had a single class on writing. I don't even like writing, but I've allowed them to guide me and, and show me how to make these things come together. And so when I went, to, I, I had Gary's book published, I self-published it. And then I took it to, it won a bunch of awards. So I got to go to New York and go to this big expo, book expo. And you're with the big dogs and you can just walk right up to these big publishing companies. And I walked up to apparently the owner of Inner Traditions. His tag was turned over. I couldn't see who he was. This is hours before the uh, expo is finished. They're packing up, ready to go. And I walk up to him because I was guided and handed him my book. And we ended up having this discussion and he took it and he handed it to his acquisitions editor. And I could tell by the look on the acquisitions editor after being there for four days, he's like, don't give me one more book. <laughs> But it went in his backpack on the plane with him because they had already packed everything up. So it was just a matter of just let them guide you. They, they've got this, you know, let them put the synchronicities together. And, that, and I've gotten to the point where I just really trust them and know, okay, so that's an, just let, what do you want next? And I, I know now that in another year, I'm going to be writing a child's book on how to work with your angels. Um, because. And so they keep sending people to me. If I do a workshop on angels, my guides, my angels will send people to me saying, do you know where I can get a book that I can give my grandchild who's about five? And I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm on it. I get it. I get it. So, so they're a crack up. They're so fun. That's so great to hear because, you know, we're putting this book series together. We haven't got a publisher, but I, I didn't want it to uh, be in a publisher. I wanted to self-publish and just get it out there. 
because we've got a lot of people in the book that have got huge platforms and and just yeah. like just let it create momentum and spread and my guides told me to do it I didn't want to do it you know as a kid I yeah. was completely dyslexic I couldn't read or write to, and then, then yeah. they say we want you to put together a book series I'm like really and <laughs> Because for me doing this, like putting people on radio and doing the visual talking things easy for me, but the whole writing thing, not easy. Actually, that's not true. Since I've been more connected, I just download it now. Like I can write easily, but the whole grammar and spelling thing, that's where I was challenged. But I've got this fabulous guy on board who sometimes comes on the Inner Sanctum when he gets, I think he might be traveling. He 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 edits books for publishers and he's just like, he's... Oh. He's amazing. So he's fixing up all that, you know, grammar and spelling and editing everyone's chapters and all that sort of stuff. So he's amazing. Well, and that's, that's the thing is I, people come to me and they, and they ask, you know, I don't know what I should be doing. And I'm like, well, what is your passion and what are you good at? And because you are designed, clearly, Karen, you're designed to put this together. You, you've got the skills. You know how to do it. I'm really good at organizing. Um, I don't feel like I'm a good writer, but I'm getting really much better at it, allowing them to work through me. So it's like you've got the skills. You were designed to do these things. If it's your soul's intention, they're going to give you what you need. And if you don't have it, they're going to bring people to you that can do that for you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have great co-writers who can jazz it up, make it interesting. You know, I've got the stories, but they have the skill and it just, it always works. So I just have to trust. It'll come together if it's supposed to. It's interesting. You know, I had a reading when I was a kid. I think she was a nanny and she had these psychic abilities. Uh, she read my palm and she said that I would be a writer. A couple of people said that I'd be a writer <clears throat> and I could not spell or read or write to save my life, another orb. And I remember holding on to that information most of my life going, this is just never going to happen. And now <laughs> I find myself in my mid-50s putting together a book series and I'm like, damn it, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but that's no surprise to me. The knowledge that you have, Karen, it's ready. I mean, they're so ready for that. And I think it's just about whatever your weaknesses are, they will bring people to you to take care of that, you know? So well, it's not really that much about my knowledge is, is the knowledge that all you guys have, you know, like, cause I just, I'm just such, I'm a connector, you know, I'm, just, yeah. that's my first, yeah. you know, I'm a mother and a connector that that's my, they're my two strongest archetypes, just connecting people. And yeah, just bringing people's stories out to the world. My, my guides have just said to me that I'm here to support and activate the teachers. Like that's my job here. Yes. That's what I'm here to do. You yes. know, to teach as well, but not, it's not just about me and what I can bring through. It's about what everybody else can bring through just to, you know, help the teachers get their stuff out there. That's my passion as well. That's also my passion I, because I, I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you see this too, They have amazing gifts. They have amazing stories like Gloria here and Yvonne, who was earlier with us. They have things to tell. They have things to teach. But a lot of them get so hung up on the human part. Mm -hmm. They get caught up in the mind Mm -hmm. and they think they're not good enough. They think they can't do it. And it's like, 
you're designed to do this. It's your soul's intention to do it. So of course it's going to happen. It's going to flow if you're following what your soul intends for you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just happens. Otherwise, if, if your soul never intended for you to write a book, you're just going to hit one obstacle after another. And it's a lot of time wasted and energy wasted. Not wasted, but you know, it's, it's I just like, let's just get on what my soul wants me to do and, and zero in on that. And I love teaching the teachers and healing and teaching the healers so that they can get out there and spread this information. So I I just see a lot of people getting hung up on their minds are getting in the way. And that's one of the big things is get the, that's my biggest job for me is to get my mind out of the way. It will fall in place if I just don't let my mind be in control telling me I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I, I remember when they wanted me to write this first book and I was reading Eckhart Tolle and I'm just frustrated. Like, I can't write like Eckhart Tolle. Well, and I was like, I can't do this. This is my mind, you know? And I realized, well, of course you can't. You're not designed to be writing like Eckhart, this brilliant guy. You're supposed to write the way you write. You're supposed to write the way you relate to people. That's what we want from you. So just, I, I tell people often, your job is to keep your mind out of the way and allow them to work through you. Definitely. Thank you for that. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, the people that are going to watch this later are really getting this message, even though they're not online now, the ones that, that will, you know, watch the recording are really going to get this message that it, it's just so important. That's the thing to just step out of the way and just let it, yeah, let just to be guided. Yeah, yeah. And I think another thing that's really important, Karen, is to realize that you have a lot of help. I mean, you guys are seeing them playing around in the background, but people, a lot of people don't recognize everybody has help. And if you have at least, at least one angel who is powerful and can assist you, waiting for you to ask for help. And so if you want to let go of the mind being out of the way, ask for that help. Mm-hmm. Thank you for helping make me, making me, uh, thank you for helping me easily let go of the mind's grip. Thank you for helping me have a tremendous amount of confidence and trust. Thank you for helping me build my connection to you. What do you need? And so I, I tell people, see the end results, see the goal that you want to accomplish, go right to that mm-hmm. and then hand it over. And I liken this image of putting your guide or your higher self or divine source, whatever you want behind the steering wheel, but a higher consciousness than your mind. And then scoot that mind on over like that dog hanging out the car window and let them guide you. And that dog, it just knows whoever's behind the wheel, knows where they're going, loves them tremendously and knows how to get them there. And you have to let go of how and when, how is this going to happen? And when is this going to happen? But you hand over whatever it is you want help with to them. And for years, Mother Mary kept telling me, give it to me, beloved, hand it over to me, delegate it to me, lean on me, let me take that from you. And eventually I started handing things over and letting her guide me. And that's where I can say, things have just flowed because I've allowed them to show me. I, I remember at one point, I was just panicking because my business was exploding and I didn't know how to handle it. And I could hear my mind going, oh, you're not going to have any kind of a life. Good luck trying to find time to go play, you know? And I could feel my body tensing up. And that's when I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. I'm going to hand this over to my guys and put them in charge of my schedule. So I put my team, my spirit guys in charge of my schedule and said, thank you for helping me. 
affect more people than ever across the planet and have more free time than ever. And that's exactly what's happened. Exactly. So my mind doesn't know how to do that. It's not designed to know how to do that, but a higher consciousness is. And people get caught up on the fact they don't understand that the mind is a powerful tool, but it was never designed to be in charge. It's designed to follow the guidance from a higher consciousness. The mind is designed to be a servant to the soul, not in charge. And the world is showing what happens when you have the minds in charge. It's very fear-based and it's not, you got to shift that mind into support role because it doesn't, it was never designed to know what's the best career. What's the best relationship? How do I get this book out there? How do I even do it? It doesn't know that, but it knows how to follow the guidance from a higher consciousness, from your guides, from your higher self, from, you know, divine source, whatever that is to you. That's so important. That point, the mind is, was not designed to be in control. It was designed to follow orders because the mind thinks it is in control and why it thinks that I don't know but it isn't you know it isn't it is an apparatus it is a function of the human body much like the lungs are it's there to do a job you know but the thing about a lot of spiritual teachers who talk about the mind or the ego you know they they're always saying you know get rid of it get rid of it dumb it down dumb it down but it's actually a part it's actually a tool to use as a, just like this body is a tool, you know, the mind and the body are tools that we use to navigate this third dimensional realm. And mm -hmm. we need to be able to, yeah, be, be, have it guided by our higher guidance so that yes. it can do what it was supposed to do as opposed to it. Being in charge. Being in charge, taking yeah. over, taking over. You know, I, I wanted to say to you too, there's a couple of things I want to say. I was out with a girlfriend last night having dinner and we were talking about the Rainbow Children and teaching the Rainbow Children. And you said that you're about to write the book for the children, you know. The New World Teachers, they're not just us lovely, delicious middle-aged women. They're the kids, you know, the kids are the New World mm -hmm. Teachers. And, and we don't actually need to teach them anything. We just need to nurture their time here and it's not yeah. too bad being in 3d you know like just we're here to help you and just and just help them be who they've come to be that's something that I feel quite passionate about I was saying to my girlfriend last night she's off to hang out with Viana Stiebel like years ago I did the Theta Healing and Viana came out to Australia you know Theta Healing anyway, so anyway. yeah yeah, and um, and she's off to America in a couple of days to go hang out with them. She, she always she just loves it. She's just done all the courses. She doesn't practice it. She just loves the energy. But uh, but she was talking about the Rainbow Children, and I said, well, let, when you come back, let's get let's get the Rainbow Kids together and and just yes. nurture them. So that book of yours. But you, when you came out to Australia, you you spoke at the Academy, the Academy of Light, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Rosemary and John Butterworth. Yes, because I used Sydney. to I used to facilitate that for years. Oh, how yeah. cool! When I was in my thirties, oh. how long ago were you out here? Was it before or after me? I was like the the year after Gary died, so it was nine years ago. Yeah, that would have been uh, two thousand eight. Yeah, it was after yeah. I left. Two thousand eight. Yeah, it was after I left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. beautiful people. I still have connection with some of the people from that event. They're just lovely, lovely people. Yeah, I got to, and I know it was Gary behind this. I was invited to participate in Aboriginal ceremonies with the women in the outback. Uh, it was a very rare situation. It, did you meet Uli Hansen and Zoe? 
Zoe Dobson. Anyway. Yes. Yes. You know them? Yeah. They're friends of mine. But, um, but, you know, Rosemary that runs the academy was always saying, you know, that she's not her mind and she's not her body. She was always trying to get rid of her mind, get rid of her mind. And, that, and, this, and this business about trying to get rid of it as opposed to embracing it and loving it and letting it be inspired from your broader perspective was something that I was really passionate about. You know, sometimes when you see too many spiritual gurus, you get all the messages mixed up. And <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that it's not about, um, I'm not, I'm just saying that the mind is a powerful tool, yeah. but we're typically misusing it. Um, and and then I remember, I think it was Mother Mary telling us how it doesn't, it, it tends to go into the fear base. It's trying to protect you. It tends to go into that fight or flight and it goes into fear and it takes you down those dark alleys because it's just habit. And um, you're used to going down and, and it knows, oh, she goes down those alleys with me. Well, let's go down this alley. But I do remember Mother Mary telling me at one point, you know, there's any negativity or judgment or criticism, which was, was playing in my head quite often when I was younger, because I was raised perfectionist, Catholic, powerful combination for guilt and uh, everything else. <laughs> And I do, I mean, you know, that's a gift that keeps on giving. But I remember, I remember Mother Mary telling me at one point, she said, these, you know, these negative pathways, she said, it's a bad habit and it's childish and it's immature. And that's when I realized, you know, it's, we all do it, but we don't realize it's very childish and immature and it needs to stop. But the thing that she's also taught me is that she's very clear about embrace all the parts of you, the shadow, the light, the dark, and the same thing with the planet. Embrace all of it because it provides that contrast. And it's that co contrast that helps us grow immensely. So she said, cherish the dark as much as you cherish the light because it is incredibly powerful at helping you. And, and it's the same thing with the mind. Cherish that mind. It has a role to play and it's very powerful. We're incredibly powerful healers and incredibly, pow incredibly powerful creators. But just make sure that you're using it in the way that it was designed to be used. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when do you think you'll be back down under, Robbie? <laughs> Well, my guides are also my travel agents. Um, I think probably they're, t they're telling me two years. So, yeah. I, I suspect when the next book comes out that there will be a tour with that and I'll end up in Australia, which would be really lovely. It would be fun to go down under again, see the toilet swirl the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, because after, was it after Gary transitioned that you came out and spent some time out here with the Aboriginals yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That was 2008 when you came down. That was 2008. The Aboriginal women had decided that they wanted to start inviting others to participate in their ceremonies. They wanted to start opening up their world to certain people. And so they invited maybe about 20 women from different countries around the world. And I was invited. I came from the United States and I brought my friend Raven with me who has the ability to see like you two ladies do can see what's going on. She can see who's behind. She can communicate to anybody in all these different dimensions. Fascinating person to bring with you 
across the planet into the outback. And so, I mean, I sit down next to her to fly from the United States to Australia and immediately she blows up the television in front of me. I mean, she just around electronics, my phone, my watches are gone. I'm like, okay, I'm starting this trip to Australia and now I have no watches. I have no clue of time. So that was very clear what was going on with that one. When we, when we got to the camp with these Aboriginal women, She's, we're setting up camp and it's fascinating because in the outback, it's really harsh. It's very harsh and it was quite scary. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, poisonous snakes and ants everywhere. Every, the women every night, the white women were moving every night because the ants were just covered, covering their, their sleeping bag. We were in sleeping bags. And Raven, who connects to them, immediately the first thing we did is I said, all right, you take care of all the creatures. I'll set up the base camp. And so we never had a problem with any of the ants or anybody because she gave them honey. She gave them you know, all kinds of things to keep them happy. But I do remember, I think it was the second night we were there. I was sleeping. I'm grateful that I was sleeping. And she said that she called in counsel. And that appeared in the form of a barking spider that's the size of a dinner plate. Yep, you know, and the body is the size of your hand. And it kept chasing her around the campfire. And Raven has finally just stopped and put her hands on her hips and said, what do you want? Yep. And this barking spider said, well, what do you want? You called me in. So it's just, <laughs> Raven is going to create a whole different travel experience. So yeah, it was really very cool. That's so interesting because, you know, in one of my um, author's uh, books, Garnet Schulhauser, he, is a, he was a corporate a lawyer that was um, woken up in oh, a few years ago and his spirit guide takes him out of his astral form, flies him around the universe. He went to a planet where the inhabitants lived underground and he said they looked like spiders. He said these beings look like spiders. And he said that they were in charge of seeding worlds so mm -hmm. once a world had been created as a being, as an entity with fauna and they would seed, um, well, they would seed life on it, just, you know, yes. plant life and animal life and, and life, life in, in, in all its myriad of forms. And they were these spider creatures. Yes. And so I've never looked at a spider, the you know, the, diff the yes. same since then. Uh, yes. And I think the Aboriginal culture knows that about the grandmother spiders that have a big part in that. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. so much behind the scenes. It's just fascinating, isn't it? Weaving the web. And, you know, I think on Cosmic Explosion, you know, they talk about, I can't remember where I heard it, was one of the, they talk about the cosmic web and how there's this spider web of connection throughout the multiverse. Yes. And, um, and Earth when it fell into, but it wasn't because a lot of people talk about this as being a bad thing in that our density became so dense because of, you know, control and ET control and Illuminati and the cabal and all this sort of stuff. But the thing is it was designed that way. Like how far away from source can we get and still thrive? Yes. And so yes. apparently this galactic spider web, we were disconnected from this spider web that has us as a part of the sort of cosmic family and uh yeah apparently it's it's you know we're getting reconnected to this spider web. that's what we're all doing here right we're all weaving sort of magical energy webs across like yes. we're doing it right now like we've got 
people like in all parts of the world tuning in and, and more people who will watch this will, who will tune it in like the part that I'll put on in the public and, and the other people that will come and watch, you know, we're weaving this web across the planet, yeah. across the universe because you've got galactic guides, I've got galactic guides like this one down here in the corner that keeps popping in and out. <laughs> galactic guides, yeah. I mean we can call it the yeah. internet or, you know, that she's in the country and it's a bad internet connection. But, yeah, the, those galactic guides do create havoc with our electrical system. Yeah, they do. And like you said, your friend blew up the television. Oh, like, within minutes. Yeah. I, I, I got a flight to this. Australia with no TV now. So, you know, I was like, okay. They do. I haven't been able to wear a watch for 30 yeah. years, you know. Yeah. Clocks don't really work well and... Yeah, so yeah, it's like this frequency interferes with a, a sort of these these primitive sort of frequencies that we have that we use electricity yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's interesting. Go on, what were you going? Well, I was just going to say, I, I think that you know you were talking originally about the darkness and the Illuminati and all that, and how embrace it because it serves a purpose. And I think people don't realize that this is an amazing planet. It's just a paradise. It's a recess. And for us to be in a physical form is a blessing. And then to play on this this paradise is something. But then also I look at this um, planet as a school. And so you get these really, um, you get souls who want to come here and grow and they can grow so much faster here mm -hmm. because of the, the extreme contrast. Mm -hmm. The light and, and dark are so extreme that it provides endless opportunities for growth. So it's, it, it's not, it's for the, I mean, you've definitely got to be brave. It's a tough planet and there's young souls and older souls. And it doesn't mean that the older souls are better. We're all equal. It's just that it, it's not uncommon to have an older soul placed in a family of younger souls. Mm -hmm. And that's why you feel like you don't fit in. And you may come here, and I see this a lot, you may come here, you, you may be an old evolved soul and not even realize it, and you may choose to come and master something in this particular lifetime. It's like getting your PhD. And so you may choose to really master forgiveness. And so you'll have things happen to you on your journey. And because you're an older evolved soul, they're going to be challenging things to forgive because it's like, why would we give you easy stuff? You've already mastered that, you know? It's like teaching kindergarten math or first grade math when you're operating where you're already teaching physics. So I, it's not uncommon to see older evolved souls take on the to get their PhD or really truly master higher levels of self-love. So they'll come in and they'll be led to believe that they're less than. They may have physical challenges. They may have emotional challenges. So they may have a family or others who have told them they're not good enough. And they are here to learn how to overcome the mind and the emotions and realize who they really are and how they are extraordinary divine luminous beings and that they are fractals of divine source, that they are good enough exactly that they're exactly the way they need to be for this journey and so it's about learning higher levels of self-love that they're so advanced they need to find that love from within not from outside you're too evolved for that so i see that quite often where people have gotten caught up in that and not realizing you forgot who you really are and you are believing what your mind has been telling you you're buying into those distortions and those lies and that's where you start waking up and realizing, oh, I came into master self-love, so I have to learn all aspects to it. If I'm going to be an expert in it, I need to know what it's 
like when I don't, what it's like when I do, higher levels of self-nurturing, um, or maybe they came in to learn acceptance. That's a big one right now. Can you accept others' choices? They may be younger souls struggling with addiction or materiality or whatever. Can you just accept that that's what they need for their journey, for their soul's growth? Because that's the name of the game is soul growth. You know, it's so funny, <laughs> synchronicity. Last night, we're walking through Bondi Junction. So there's a homeless man on the street. We've walked past him one way and then on the way back, Annabelle says, you know, let me give him some, a dollar or some coins. And I said, oh, don't be ridiculous. Don't give him some coins. If you're going to give him something, give him 20 bucks. And she's like, <laughs> no, no. So I pull out my 20 bucks. You know, and my friend, I've got to say, she's worth a lot of money. Uh, she inherited a lot of money and she just, she's got more money than she needs. And I said, I pulled out 20 bucks. She said, you can't give him 20 bucks. He's going to go and buy alcohol with it. And I said, well, who cares? You know, that's like let him go buy alcohol with it. So we gave him 20 bucks and it's just the mind, that mind that just grabs on, you know, like here's mm-hmm. this woman who's got more money than God wanting to give a homeless man a dollar <laughs> and because the mind says he's probably an alcoholic and then he's going to go. But acceptance says let him go get drunk. Who cares? That's his journey. That's what yeah. he's doing. That's his yeah. choice. Like, like, you know, sorry, I, Gloria. Oh, no, I... I worked with a lot of homeless. I volunteered with a lot of homeless. And I have seen some of the most advanced, evolved old souls showing up as homeless alcoholics in the gutters. And they are helping others. They don't even realize who they are. Um, And I think what always works, I always have stuff in my car. I don't particularly like to hand out money, although I get your point and I understand that. And if you were homeless, trust me, it is so stressful. I would turn to what they turn to because it is so awful. But I always have energy bars, water, warm socks, hand warmers. That's so easy to hand out to people. And and so sometimes they may be deliberately trying to get you to do this and they're not really homeless. And I'm like, I would rather err on the side of giving it to people who don't really need it. And just like that, your friend, Give them 20 bucks, especially if you have more money than God, as you put it, which cracks me up. (laughs) You know, I've I've been playing. I haven't managed to do it yet, but I I remember playing with my my abundance issues because that's been, I'm surrounded. I grew up in a really uh, rich part of Sydney, surrounded by really wealthy people and dad lost all his money. So I've been someone that's never had any money. I'm surrounded by rich people and I've come to the, um, I've come to peace with it. I've come to realization that that was all part of my soul's plan and it's all fine and I'm fine. And, you know, but this striving to have money thing was a huge part of my journey until I just relaxed and said, well, I don't have it. doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. You know, it's fine. The universe is looking after me. It's all fine. I don't have to worry about it. But, you know, when you sort of struggle with that abundance um, thing, like I remember going to the supermarket and trying not to buy everything that's on special it's become a bit of a habit but just you know (laughs) but just buying because I want it not because it's special like it's a whole mindset that comes and I remember being sitting in the car and there was a you know one-armed guy washing windows and thinking I want to just give him 50 bucks you know I want to just reach into my purse and give him 50 bucks and feel like I've got it to give you know, I haven't managed to do it yet. I give $10, $20, $30, but I haven't managed 50. But just, but it's not about the amount. It's about feeling like you've got it 
to give. Yeah. It's about that feeling, evoking that feeling, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And I have to say it gets better and better and better. And uh, But just to reach in a person, just hand someone 50 bucks or 100 bucks, yeah. Know, to have yeah. that feeling of abundance, you know, evoke that feeling of abundance. And yes, well, the homeless people or the poor people, they're really helping us with that. You know, there's really... Yes beautiful opportunities relationship I want to just yeah. say something about you know Yvonne when she was dead <laughs> and she was on the other side Segway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. her audio I've just unmuted her she was saying you know that she was seeing souls talk about coming to earth and saying um I would never forget who I am, you know. That wouldn't happen to me, that whole amnesia thing that happens on earth. And then going down, living a life and coming back and going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> That's right. And then going. But they What? Say, say what? That's exactly what happened. And then they'd say, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. That's what happened. Yeah, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Yeah. yeah, it's like being on a roller coaster ride and saying, I won't be scared, and then being terrified and throwing up yeah. and going, I want to do it again and make sure that I'm not scared. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you find that the one judging is you. It's not others judging you. It's just that you want to come yeah. back and rectify that. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's part of the game, quote unquote. You don't remember. Yeah, the amnesia thing. That's the biggest challenge, isn't it? Yeah. To have that amnesia of not, you know, that's what we're all doing here. We're all here weaving this web of remembrance, you know, waking people up, you know. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me show you. Let me remind you. Let me remind you. That's what we're all weaving this web. But because the game here is the forgetfulness, you know, like we come to. And right. We, yeah. If we knew who we were we wouldn't what would what's where to, what's there to do there's no game there you know yeah. you would realize that you're divine source and that you're powerful and can do anything so it's like we have to forget that and this beautiful planet which is a free will planet allows us to do what we want to do to learn any way we want but that's the beauty of asking when you ask the guides to step in then they can assist you and help you find the easier way, the better way, bring you abundance. Um, it doesn't have to be winning the lottery, but it's about recognizing. And I, I really want people to hear this because the guy, most of us, in fact, I would imagine that pretty much everybody that's listening to this broadcast, they were designed to be happy and healthy and have plenty their needs met beautifully that's that's very i don't my guys are telling me that nobody listening to this is does signed up for poverty you know to experience that with that's another lifetime we've been there we've all been there and done that so it's about recognizing it's the mind having these mindsets and overcoming them and sometimes you are deliberately born into families that have that and you choose to to be born and incarnated into that family to heal that mindset so that, I mean, scientists have discovered that 
they did some tests with mice and mice love cherries and almonds. It's their favorite food. So what the lab technicians were doing is they were shocking the mice as they were smelling cherries and almonds. So the mice became really freaked out whenever they smelled cherries and almonds. Now what they discovered is that all the generations that kept coming after that had the same response to the smell of cherries and almonds, even though they had never gone through that experience. So we come in and deliberately choose to incarnate into particular family lines, DNA, cellular memory to heal that. And that frees generations past and it frees generations in the for, uh, forward as well. So you get these older advanced souls, which is who's listening to these po- this podcast. They are coming in with these really challenging situations, choosing to heal it. But I want them to know that number one, they're equipped for it. You know, you, you're, you're equipped to handle it. And number two, you have all the help on the other side of the veil available to you to help you if you ask for their help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but not just on the other side here too, incarnate. Look at absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you yeah. start realizing it's that fear, whatever you have a fear of, whatever, whatever you, you know, are resisting persists. I had a real annoyance with smokers. Um, I lost a, a, a beloved family member to smoking and a lot of my family members are still smoking back in certain parts of the United States. And I got really upset with smokers and I got really upset with the, uh, the companies, the tobacco companies. And I found myself constantly being surrounded by smokers. You know the story, right? So I had to realize okay, I have a problem with smoking. And as long as I have that problem, they're going to keep bringing it to me until I finally let go of my mind's thinking that there's something wrong with smoking. It's just another way for them to grow on their path. So when I stopped having a problem, the smokers went away. I accepted. (laughs) It's okay. I have to tell you something, you know, Yvonne lit up before. You lit up a cigarette before, didn't you? I have. Did you light up a cigarette before? I have never yeah, seen no. smoke ever. And like and I thought and then she lit up the door like and I thought, oh my God, she's having a zig. I had never seen her do that. So it's still there, Robbie. It's still there. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. I'm fine. But that's but it, the thing it's another we, it's another way to learn how to partner with your body and what yeah. that does to it. And that's fine. But you it's know? so interesting how, you know, our you know, what we resist specifically persists. You know, when you do have when you love something and when you, you know, resist it or hate it, it just shows up. You know, I think that it's such an attractive energy, this strong emotional energy. Mm. And, um, but it, even when you've overcome it, it still shows up to sort of remind you that you've overcome it too. Don't yeah. you find? So, yeah, it's like, a pop, it's like a pop quiz. It is because it was funny. I've never seen Yvonne smoke. I mean, you can hear that she does smoke because you've got that raspy thing going on. You can hardly breathe, Yvonne. But anyway, I've never seen her light light up. And and then she did today. And I thought, because when she did it before, I thought, that is so strange that she's doing that. And now that you've told me about <laughs> you had a thing about smoking. That's so funny. Okay, I have a confession to make. I'm also a smoker. So you're surrounded by two. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't smoke in my house. I don't smoke in my house. You know, I wanted to I wanted to share a couple of things that you were talking about, Robbie, um, about um, you know, coming here um to learn and and the challenges that you face and it was so funny what happened to me in the dentist chair yesterday <laughs> is that, you know, I've been practicing talking with my guides and really getting some great information. And um, as a backstory, I, uh, I'm an incest survivor and I've come from 
point zero to point a thousand. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm very happy in my life. So I'm sitting in the dentist chair for three hours getting a crown yesterday, and all of a sudden in my head pops in, you know, it wasn't all about you. And and your family was all came here to learn a lesson through this whole experience. It wasn't all about you. And I started chuckling because of the way it was said to me. And I'm like, here I am in the dentist chair. Yeah. And it was such a clear message that the lesson was not only for me, it was for everybody. And it's a matter of changing um, your perception about life, really. Yeah. And um, thinking differently and seeing and seeing the possibilities of what's really true. But it was so funny. I just, you know, it hit me. It was like, yeah, we all come here to learn. I know that, but I never occurred to me that my entire family was here to learn out of that lesson also, you know. It's amazing. It's amazing. You have these soul contracts together. And so everybody's going to play the different part. And I think that when you step back and you can see that, and some people are so darn good in their roles. I mean, they're really award-winning characters in playing that. They actually have you believing that's who they are. And that's just who they signed up to be in this incarnation to help you master something. It's rarely karma. I mean, yeah, karma sometimes plays into it, but usually it's that you're just helping. Everybody's helping. It's this beautiful interweaving of what everybody needs to learn. And I think that people need to remember that. I think I'm glad that you brought that up because right now there's such so many challenges on the planet. Um, and you have to remember everybody agreed to play the different parts. If there's an oil spill, all the wildlife agreed to play the part. When we had mad cow disease, I remember Mother Mary telling me, the cows all agreed to play those roles and to come in. It's just that, like us, it's a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. You get here and you're like, whoa, this is not at all what I thought the brochure was about. But it's, but it's, it's definitely everybody is intertwined learning exactly what they need to. And that's fabulous, Gloria, that you realize it's not all about you. And I I love that it happened to you in the dentist chair when you had no way you could escape that one, you know? Yeah, really. Anywhere. (laughs) Captive audience. I'm so so excited that you're getting this clear guidance because we had, um, we did the last webinar we did was meet your spirit guide and we tuned in and I got people to do little readings on each other because when you do a reading on somebody and someone affirms it, you get that rush of, oh my God, I got it right. And then that gives you a permission (laughs) To, to, to get that mind out of the way, to say, actually, I am, they are talking to me. It's not just my mind or my imagination. And, and I think you really got that last time, didn't you? And I did. I did, especially because, you know, I was thinking, okay, I've got to read this book to figure it out and I'll watch this webinar. And Karen, you were like, never mind, just do it. Just do it. Just right now, just do it. And, and I just kept remembering you saying that. And ever since you said that, you know, I do my, can you see my little meditation area over there? Yeah. That's my little meditation spot. And um, I sit there and I ju- it's just coming. It's just like that, you know, amazing. But I just remembered, just do it, you said, right now, never mind. Start. <laughs> well, it's the mind that thinks it needs to do this or it needs yeah. to get a course or a certification. It's like, you got it. You got it. Just trust it. That's, again, getting that mind out of the way and doing what feels right intuitively. And Karen was tuned in and knew, you got it. Just do it. You've already got what you need. 
it's we already are. It's just a matter of remembering and letting these identities and these distortions fall away. That's really what's happening. Um, and, and really tuning into the, the heart, the intuition, that gut instinct rather than the mind. That's what we're doing is we're learning how to shift from the mind to the heart that in that inner wisdom. And, and so we're starting to, and this, these are lifetimes right now, especially right now are ramped up so that you have to finally face what you have been. I remember mother Mary saying, it's kind of like, we're finally cleaning up the last of the stuff we haven't wanted to deal with before, you know? So whatever you haven't wanted, you finally have to clean your room. I'm sorry, but you just have to clean the room. And so whatever you have been challenged by in the past is going to show up. And if you don't get it, it's going to keep showing up bigger and bigger until you get it. And you've got that knowledge. You've got that strong connection. But every now and then your mind pops in and says, oh, but I don't think I'm as good as, you know, whatever. Or sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. It's starting to calm and quiet that mind and retraining it. That's the key is redirecting it, redirecting it. So it's like, okay, but remember that time when I was in the dentist office and I got that clear, that's the stuff that you have to start retraining that mind to focus on that rather than, you know, the other stuff. So that's really all it's about is retraining the mind, redirecting it. I got such a visual, a visual when you said, um, uh, cleaning up that stuff that you've been putting off, you know, and I got like the basement or the garage or under the stairs, you know, that cupboard that's got all that crap in it that you've just shoved it under there and you've got it out of the way and you don't want to deal with it. And like you clean your house, but you don't deal with that. Yeah. So I got this visual of getting in there under the stairs and pulling out all that crap and throwing out all that you don't need because that, you know, it's amazing when you do that physical stuff when you clean out a cupboard that you how incredible I find how incredible I feel when I do that it seems like a crazy normal silly thing but it actually has this energetic shift yeah because it's the mindset of I don't want to deal with it that is in mm-hmm. physical manifestation as a cupboard or crap under the stairs or stuff in the basement it's that yeah. stuff that we're not dealing with in our in the corners of our minds that we need to clean out. And that's just a physical representation of it. It's just yeah. so interesting. Mm. I, there's an example that I love to use. And I don't know if whether you're familiar with this in Australia or not, but there's a book that's a classic book called Gulliver's Travels. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. It's a giant. Okay. It's a giant who was, uh, or he was shipwrecked on an island of tiny little people. Uh-huh. And these tiny little people tied him down with all these tiny little ropes and cords, very small strings to him, really. But he was tied down and he couldn't move. And so I look at it as, you know, you're talking about the dust bunnies and things that you're dealing with. These cords are holding us down in their cords of the mind, their mindsets, their distortions, their lies, their misperceptions and they're holding us down and this is the lifetime where we have come to cut the last of those cords that are still holding us down and raise us up into these higher frequencies these higher vibrations so it's like okay this is maybe it's that not having enough money uh i've gone through that a number of lifetimes and i really need to finally cut that cord and realize of course I'm beautifully taken care of. Of course I am. I'm here to help change the planet. Of course they're going to take care of my needs, you know? Um, And I've already been through the poverty route. I've already done that one. I just need to get rid of that old mindset that's been buried under the bed for a long time and realize it's just my mind 
It's not real. It's not true. And start controlling that and redirecting it to all the things that you are, all the ways you are taken care of. Mm. Um, That's the thing is you start shifting that mind and redirecting it to what can I be grateful for? That's huge. That's huge. It's huge. It's Robbie, do you find that when, I'm sorry, um, Robbie, do you find that when you're working with people who are really ill, that it's hard um, to teach them how to change their thinking and their perspective? Well, I'll tell you what happens, Glory, is people end up getting so sick from their minds, creating all this negativity, and uh, their body can't handle it anymore. It's like they are so sick, they have got to change. Their body can't handle it anymore. And they can see how, I mean, I can type up a list of, here's the emotional cores to these problems. And that's when they realize, oh, clearly there's a connection. There's a common theme between the fibromyalgia and and the autoimmune disease and all these other things. It's that common core. It's a negative, toxic stuff that ends up building up to the point where their body cannot handle it anymore. Because what happens is, it takes three things to be able to heal. You got to have the mind on board with healing, the body on board, and the soul on board with healing. And if all three of those are aligned, anything can be healed. Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. For most people, it's the emotions that aren't on board. That's what created it in the first place, and they don't even know that. So what? Ha- and this is what the Aboriginals have taught us. And I love that they gave us this information. What we don't realize is we're really good at paying attention to what we eat, what we drink, that we get exercise. But what we're not always conscious about is what kind of emotions are you feeding yourself on a regular basis? Because when you have fear-based negative emotions, that creates a different kind of cell. And Dr. Rimoto's water experiments showed us how those were very disfigured. They weren't functioning. They're very low vibration. It's not a functioning cell. And, and so if you have a buildup of those kind of cells, you're not creating a healthy, vibrant body. And it's kind of like uh, a car warning system where you get your light blinking on that dashboard warning you, you could be creating a lot of problems. If you're holding on to grief and you're not letting that go, you could be creating some heart problems or breast cancer. So, and the hardest on the body, the most toxic are guilt. It's through the whole system and self-hatred. But the flip side is when you have more love-based emotions that you're kind of marinating in on a regular basis, that creates a different kind of cell. And it's a very, Dr. Emoto again showed us how they look like beautiful symmetrical snowflakes, high functioning, high vibration, high frequency. And disease can't sustain in that high frequency, whereas the other one, the fear-based negative stuff is toxic and it creates a swampy, perfect breeding ground for disease. So if you're immersed in a lot of love-based emotions, that is going to create a healthy, vibrant body. And a lot of people don't realize that, and they are immersed in a lot of stress, depression, anxiety, resentment, fear. Those things build up and create different kinds of cells, and it gets to the point where your body just can't handle it anymore. And now that blinking warning light is staying on all the time, and now you've created diabetes or Hashimoto's you know, autoimmune disease. It's it's the body responding to the emotions and what you're creating. Because if you have, for instance, gratitude has a fabulous healing response throughout the whole body. Gratitude emits a chemical response that just is so healing to the body. And you start paying attention to 
letting go of whatever is creating these negative emotions, toxic emotions in you, the mindsets, it's the mindsets, thinking that somebody or you should be different than you are, resisting something, and then you keep creating this negativity. It's the mindsets that you want to start paying attention to because it's kind of like trying to take a tree down one leaf at a time. And it's the same thing with trying to take a mindset down one thought at a time. Go right to the mindset. First of all, this nonsense about you not being good enough or not being worthy or not being lovable, you were conditioned to buy into that because this is a school where you came to learn to overcome that. You needed to believe it. You needed to buy into it. And your family beautifully helped you believe that. They did a fabulous job. And so you realize I was conditioned to believe that so that I would learn to overcome my mind and what it was feeding me and come from the heart and love myself anyway. So you start recognizing it's the mindsets that I need to start examining that are creating the problem in the first place, that I am a divine luminous being perfect exactly the way I am, extraordinarily brave for being who I am showing up, and that I don't need to change anything. Um, that it's all good. It all serves a purpose. So that's where you start recognizing what is the mind feeding me that's not true, that's creating this dis-ease, this discomfort. And the body is just a partner showing you where you're getting caught up. So people that come to me very sick, Gloria, they realize I can't handle this anymore. I've got to start changing something. But they don't know what it is and they don't know how to do it. And that's what I teach them in that hour is, okay, this is, this is a belief system that needs to go. You know, um, you may have been raped as a child. You may have been whatever, but that was part of what you came into experience because you're here to master forgiveness. I'm just saying that generally. And so if you keep hanging on and having resentment and anger about that, that's creating now problems, physical problems. How bad does it have to get before you let go? Yeah. That's really the key. It's, it's so interesting because the, sometimes the sicker you are, the more uh, determined and committed you are to your spiritual journey. You know, Yvonne actually has exactly that story. She, she got so sick, she actually literally died. Didn't you, Yvonne? I mean, she was so sick that it took her dying to actually get on track. Yeah. And that shows how powerful the mind is. Some people will commit suicide rather than have the mind be redirected into healthier thinking and, and to realizing it's not you. You've just bought into the mind stuff. And that's really the key is paying attention to what is the mind telling me and is it true? Whose voice is that? A lot of times it's not even your voice. It's your mother's voice. It's your father's voice. It's a scared inner child's voice. And start realizing you're on autopilot. Um, you need to start observing rather than automatically getting pulled into it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, one of my best friends did kill herself because of that mind. It took about a year. She married uh, one of our wealthiest young eligible men, had a beautiful family, got everything she wanted, like, you know, materially everything she wanted. She was a gorgeous person. She came from the country she was just this natural beautiful girl from the country that was just so real and so out there and funny and fabulous and she just you know talk about law of attraction and manifestation just everything tumbled into place everything mm -hmm. she want came to her everything and when she was in her 30s you know when princess diana died 
I was over at her place and we were watching the funeral at her place and she was bawling and bawling and bawling, uncontrollably bawling. And I remember thinking, we're all upset and we're all crying, but this has really hit you. You don't even know this woman. But it was so interesting. She was the same sort of archetype. It was just mm-hmm. like this woman who was married into, well, she was brought, well, uh, Princess Diana was actually brought up in wealth and, and notoriety or whatever. And, but, um, and then that mind, all the material stuff that she had didn't help that mind. Uh, mind you, Princess Diana didn't kill herself, but, yeah, that mind took a hold of her mm-hmm. and told her that she was nothing and not good enough and she couldn't cope with it and she killed herself. She was like yeah. 30, she was 36. Yeah. The yes. ego can be really strong. Yeah. It can be really strong. And that's where, again, you have all the help you need. Uh, it's clearly on the other side of the veil. You don't have to do this alone. Ask your guides, your angels, Thank you for helping. And I always say, say thank you. It's not an oh, please, because they respond every time. Thank you for helping me have high levels of self-love. Thank you for helping me let go of this programming. And then they have permission to rewire you, so to speak, uh, to, I, I like call it updating the software. Now they have permission to help you with that. So you were always designed to overcome this stuff. You're capable of it. You're evolved enough to do it. And you also have all the help you need to help you with that. So, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to mute you again, uh, Yvonne. Oh, you've just muted yourself. So, Robbie, how do, you, how do you, you know, one of the things I'm discovering and I'm really passionate about is most people don't know that their thoughts are harming them. Most people, you know, don't have the information that we have or have experienced what we've experienced. And it feels like, you know, I want to share with people, but they kind of look at me like I'm from Mars or something, but Mm -hmm. it's like, how do we, um, how do we spread this and, and teach people before they get sick? Um, as to how to uh, improve their life with their thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. I think that's a fabulous question. question. I, I think the first thing you have to realize is there's nothing wrong with where they are. That's judging that they're doing anything wrong and that they're, that's just another way for them to learn and experience. They're going to get what they need. The mind, the human mind may not like it, but they're getting what they need on a soul level. Um, and that there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, what they're thinking, how they're creating. And I remember Mother Mary had a room full of us. We were healers. And she told every one of us, you are not, it's not in your best interest to go and try and heal somebody if they haven't asked. She said, it just, it's not, that's not who you, wait until they ask you and then help them in the way that's appropriate for them. So I have family members, very dear, close family members. I can see what they're doing. I know how they're creating some of their physical challenges and I can see what they're doing, but it's like, that's just another way for them to learn. And it's not for me to intervene. It's kind of like our guides, our angels. It's not for them to intervene until we ask for assistance. And then you give them what's appropriate for them. I had to learn the hard way. You can give them too much and that can harm them. So you follow, again, you partner with your guides, you get better at feeling what feels right, what to tell them and how to tell them and how much. 
That is such an important point. Oh my God, that is such an important point because you do, you do, you do see people, especially when you come into your intuitive abilities, you can read people's minds, you can see their future, you can see the trajectory they're heading and you want to fix them, you want to help them, you want to stop them. But it's, it's not, it's not our job unless, unless there's a contractual agreement between the two of you. Right. Spiritually and, and, um, yeah, look, as a young, you know, energy healer in my 30s, I was trying to fix everyone and help everybody and tell people stuff and it just fell on deaf ears and I got a lot of ridicule and a lot of judgment. I fell out with my family that everyone thought I was crazy. They just thought I was batshit crazy. They didn't understand where I was coming from. They were not on my level of understanding and it was really a huge struggle for me. I remember there was a man next door who was screaming at the clouds one day, um, just screaming like a mad person. And I didn't, I gave him my Seth book. That was my Bible I used to carry. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say to this guy because he was just, I don't know what was wrong with him. I just remember giving him the book. I don't know if it helped or not. I really don't. Yeah. I just remember thinking, I've got to help this guy. He's just, he would just hang out the window and scream at the clouds. <laughs> Yeah. And that's where you realize it's acceptance and that there's nothing wrong with pain because pain is a motivator. If we were resistant to change, pain can be a motivator physically and emotionally. I do remember Mother Mary telling me one time, she said, nobody's broken. Nobody needs to be fixed. You are not a project and the world is not in peril. It's just recognizing this is a fabulous school where we're all provided opportunities. And when I used to see people on the side of the road with their car up, their hood up, and they were having problems, I'd like, oh, please help them, send them, whatever. And then I realized that's probably exactly what they need to, I'm sure it is exactly what they need to experience. But what you can do So you can't, you don't want to fix other people, but you can help them in the way that's appropriate. What you can do is you can always send love. Always send love. Um, That doesn't hurt anything. Um, So it's up to them whether they accept it or not. But that's, that's, I think, a big one is realizing everybody's on their journey learning exactly the way they need to, in the way they need to, at the pace they need to, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. So that's where the acceptance comes in. And I think that what would probably be helpful for the listener, the people that are going to be watching this, realizing that we are forerunners. We are here seeding the planet. We are a couple generations ahead. So you're not going to fit in. And it's not going to make sense to you why people do what they do and why they have the belief systems that they do. Because we are here as forerunners seeding this information seeding this consciousness, adding to the tipping point of awakening. And so it's about accepting, I'm he- I came here to help. And the more I sit here and judge the insanity of the planet, that is not helping anybody. And so uh, it, it is, it, how can I best serve? And I can best serve by holding the vision of a planet at peace and harmony, paying attention to what kind of energy am I putting out Am I putting out a lot of hope or am I putting out a lot of fear and anger? Because that's, that's the difference. And people, and I, I love that people come to me and I can have the opportunity to tell them, you came here to seed in forgiveness. You came in to add more acceptance to the tipping point. You came in to add more self-love, for instance. And so 
you're not just doing it to heal yourself. You're also doing it to heal others. You're adding to the collective. It's that hundred monkey theory. Yeah. And so you're adding it to the consciousness as well. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the question came up when you asked that, Gloria, well, how do I help as a healer if I don't, if I don't go out there and help people? And this is such an important point. This is such an important point because how you help is you put your wisdom, you share of yourself in any way you can, either on a video or in a book, or you get yourself out there, you know, maybe put on a seminar. You just share of what you know. Yvonne's been doing this. She's been getting the iPhone. And then when it's, when, you know, it comes up, she just sticks that iPhone in her face and starts yapping and puts it out there on YouTube. And then the people that are connected to that find you mm-hmm. and then, then they contact you and then they say, I love what you're saying or I love your book or I love what you're doing. And there's that contractual agreement. There's, you know, there's the energy flow between what I have that's going to serve you and what you've got that's going to serve me because it's not the healer and the patient. It's a two-way street, you know, like as healers or spiritual teachers, the people that come to us are serving us as much as the, as we're serving them. And, um, and that's, that's how it happens as opposed to, you know, helping the person that you see or the family member or even the homeless man, you know, trying to help, you know, trying to put yourself out there and help. You just, you just put, just put what you know out there and let it come to you. Like let it yeah. come to you. And you know that cause that's been your journey, Robbie. I mean, you, you put the books out and yeah. then people started contacting you left, right and centre, right? And, and also I've become better at working with my guides and letting them guide me as to what's appropriate. So if I'm supposed to say something to somebody, I will ask my team, my guides, please provide an obvious opening and provide the words. So the more you work with it, your team and you fa- find that you're doing what you're doing because it feels right from your heart, not because your mind's telling you you should or you have to or you need to. That's the difference. It's coming from love, a source of love, not fear or control. So I, I know that if someone needs to hear something that I have to say, my guides are really good at sitting them next to me on an airplane for yeah. three hours and yeah. it'll come up and I pay attention to when are they asking. If they're not asking or they're looking glazed over, that's a sure sign I've gone too far. But I let their questions guide me as to where to go. But I guarantee that your guides will put you next to people who need your wisdom um, because they know that you're uh, a messenger. You're the bridge for them. So you work as, I like it as we're, we're a team and I happen to be the human member of the team. I'm the one with the boots on the ground. And that's where they will guide you as to what to say, who to say it to, how far to go. And they'll put those people in your path, as Karen said. They'll find you. So get that message out and don't let their, your mind say, oh, it's not good enough. The quality's not high enough. Thanks for sharing, but I don't think so. So, <laughs> but I think the hardest is when it, when it is your family members. Like I think with people, when you see family members who are suffering, and then you put yourself out there as some sort of authority in healing or spirituality, and and you feel like you can't help them. I think that probably is 
Have you experienced that? I have. And that's, that's why it is very deliberate because mm. family you cannot get away from. So there's some definite soul contracts there. It's not like you can quit the job and you won't see them again. It's a higher level of learning acceptance. That's for sure. It's realizing mm. there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. They're learning. Wow, there's easier ways to learn, but they're learning and they're going to get it. So it's about higher levels of acceptance. Yeah. If they're ready to heal, they'll find you or they'll find the right person. But if you're not, if they're not ready, it's not going to matter, you know, what you say. And so that's where I realized I can harm them by giving them stuff they're not ready for. Mm-hmm. So I wait and let them guide me. And then I follow my intuition and my guides as to what to say and how to say it and when to say it. So, but you know, the thing is, you guys have fabulous knowledge fantastic knowledge. I mean, it's not a high percentage of people that have have that kind of awareness and have had the experiences you have had. Very, very unique experiences. Phenomenal awakening enlightenment here. And so the people who are ready for that will be brought to your path that need to hear what you have to say. And that's where you don't hold back if it feels appropriate to say something. You pay attention to, they're asking the question, they must be ready for it. You know, mm-hmm. but, but you have had some really unique, all of you have had unique experiences and that's for a reason is part of your soul's journey to have that knowledge, have that awareness because other people will run into you that need to know that it's very unique. I tell very you what, unique. as I'm listening to this, Robbie, I was thinking, I'm thinking, God, I wish I had listened to this when I was, you know, in my thirties trying to work all this out. <laughs> it's like, I so could have heard this, you know, you just like, why? my life being so traumatic and everyone else's life hasn't you know you just so need to hear this but Karen were you ready when you were 30 yeah probably not (laughs) so it's almost like we have to go through these experiences to be ready you know I was running the academy um that you went and spoke at when I was in my 30s yeah and seeing and seeing these teachers come through and um the thing about that is so many teachers came through with puzzle pieces but they just didn't have the whole picture it used to frustrate me it just used to frustrate me. They weren't talking about how we flow we, our energy, how we, you know, how we're creators. And um, my guides just used to say to me, stop criticizing all these people. They're doing what they came to do. If you need to get that message out, just get that message out. <laughs> stop criticizing. They're bringing you that piece. They're bringing you that piece. They're not meant to bring you the whole puzzle. They're just yeah. bringing you a piece. Yeah, I, it, it's true. It's all, but, it all serves a purpose. But what I saw was so many people in this sort of new age spiritual community all playing victim. It's like they were playing victim before to sort of more mainstream things like their job or their family and now they were playing victim to um the planetary alignments and the and the chakras and 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 the ray i'm not on this ray you know like they just had a new language for playing victim and it used to frustrate me so much (laughs) this is where you want to step back and just observe like you're from another planet Mm. and think well isn't that interesting Mm. you know rather than judging it you just observe it Mm. and just say well that's interesting and i'll tell you what's a fascinating place to just be an observer is family gatherings you know um (laughs) because truly that's where you you have to pretend that you are either from another planet or you're like an anthropologist you're just here to observe the tribe you know (laughs) and and it's and then you don't get emotionally pulled in you know i i have to tell you this um this my sister and i have learned there are certain family members that uh love drama 
and love to create drama and and then people get pulled in and my sister and I have this uh saying it's kind of like being on the rim of a toilet seat and that toilet is flushing and it's full of you know what they're like stay on the rim just stay on the rim (laughs) don't get pulled into it and every now and then you know you've gotten pulled into it and you're like okay I got pulled in for a while that was fun a friend of mine I had lunch with her a couple days ago and she said there's this guy his name is Kyle Cease C-E-A-S-E I haven't I haven't looked at his stuff yet, but she said he's like a comedian who's awakened. And he'll describe how he'll have something happen to him that was just awful. And he'll go, and I love that. You know, it's like, yeah, that's exactly the attitude. So whenever anything happens to you that was just miserable, you're like, and I love that. And that's <laughs> what happens. It'll change your perspective. Absolutely. I know I can't see. That's fantastic. Now, I just want to talk to you about, um, before we go, because I didn't get it recorded, that amazing conference that you went to what was it called again uh the galactic one galactic wisdom conference uh it's been held here in the um washington state they they don't advertise it heavily because they're very careful about getting the right people there but it's called the galactic wisdom conference i'm sure if you go online you can find it and if you can't you can always contact me um i don't know if you have my contact information but they can get a hold of me at uh well my website is holeswellness.com H-O-L-Z, wellness.com. And there's a lot of information up there about, um, there's information on how to contact me, but I've written a lot of information on the blog section, how to work with your guides, how they communicate, how they can help, uh, the emotional aspect, how to get your mind out of the way, how to be a better team player, how to heal. I'm just, I'm a big fan of getting a lot of information out, whatever's going to help people. So there's a lot of free information all up there to help people in body, mind, spirit, just thrive. That's my passion. Mm-hmm. Oh, Robbie, it's been so delightful to reconnect with you today. Yeah. yeah. Just a wealth of information. And I just love what you were saying. It's like you're <laughs> speaking my language, you know, love all of it, love all of it. Uh, even Yvonne, who keeps popping in and out, she was saying when she was dead that, um, you know, what she saw from the other side was she saw that the good and the bad were so intertwined and that you really couldn't separate out what was good and bad. It was all, you know, it was all yeah. serving us. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah, a, a lot of, yeah, I, as, it, as I've been watching this guy on TV and, um, you know, coming from that higher perspective, you see all of it as good, all of it as good, but it serves a purpose. All these cosmic displays, they're all talking about the cabal and there's all this, it's just resistance, like resistance against mm-hmm. anything, judgment, criticism, resistance against anything does not serve us or anybody because it just creates more of what you're resisting. And all these well-meaning, amazing spiritual teachers and galactic, you know, informers, and they're all out there, you know, bringing a message, but there's so much resistance in their message, mm-hmm. I find, in the sort of galactic arena. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the play of opposite. It's the war. It's the them and the us, yeah. you know, the good and the bad. And when you look from a higher perspective, it's just all part of the game, and what it's it's exactly what you were saying. Do you want to be in the you know the the flushing toilet, you know, swirling around with it all, or do you want to be you know above it and see it and watch it and see it all? You know, yeah. remove yourself out of that game of polarity, out of 
out of yeah. the good and the bad and you see it all as serving your soul, then, oh, God, life is so different. Life it changes different. everything. It changes everything. Because then you realize that, like you said, everything serves a purpose. Yeah. And you realize, okay, why is this on my path? It's here to help me grow. How is it here to help me grow? Mm-hmm. And you start paying attention to what kind of energy and emotions am I putting out there? Because that's really what we're learning is to master the emotions in the mind and start coming from love. Because as I think it was Yvonne said that who had died, it's all about love. That's all it's about. And that's what we're learning is it's all about love. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure, Karen, always. And thank you, Gloria and Yvonne. That was really fun. Great questions, Gloria. Great questions. I'm so glad we got that in there. Thank you. Your energy is awesome. Thank you. And thanks for telling me about my friends behind me (laughs) and around me. And (laughs) Thanks for listening. And remember, if you'd like to be a part of the Inner Sanctum, join us for our monthly webinars where we explore and show you how you mould your energy and flow your energy and talk about deliberate creation. And I invite some more delicious people to come on that you can meet individually or you can meet personally in the webinars to share their wisdom. And you get to talk to them and meet them and pick their brains. (laughs) So join the Inner Sanctum. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.